This is Net News Network Headline News. For all your national and world news you won't hear on MSM. Well, here's a story that you probably haven't heard much of and makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Well, I guess it makes perfect sense with everything that's going on right now, but uh, this is from August 26th, just a few days ago. The New York fuel supply was so low, or is so low, it triggered a White House warning. This is from Bloomberg. The New York area is running so low on fuel that the Biden administration is warning of government action to address exports and suppliers are resorting to expensive U.S. tankers to restock the region. And in the midst of this, Biden is selling our reserves to other countries. This makes no sense. We have enough fuel in our own country that we could tap into to supply ourselves and not rely on everybody, anybody else. And yet, we are having to import fuel from other countries. Oh, inventories of East Coast distillates include diesel are languishing at the seasonal lowest levels ever, while gasoline stockpiles in the New York Harbor area emerged from historic lows only last week. The administration could take emergency measures if refiners don't limit exports to replenish domestic supplies. So refiners have to limit exports to replenish domestic supplies, but our government can go ahead and sell our strategic reserves to other countries. What? Oh, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm wrote in a letter last week to companies including ExxonMobil, Valero Energy Corp., and Phillips 66. Recently, several U.S. flagged vessels also carried fuel in New York, a relatively rare move, only economically viable when the arbitrage is wide enough. Gulf Coast refiners have been shipping a maximum amount of gasoline to the East Coast all summer on the fully booked Colonial Pipeline. But it may not be enough in a cold winter. Russian supplies that have filled a critical gap during frigid weather last February won't be available again after Moscow's invasion of Ukraine triggered U.S. sanctions. Sanctions on fuel, but not other stuff like wood and steel and that sort of thing, because we're still importing over $6 billion worth of Russian stuff. Just not the stuff people need to survive. Like gas. The closure of refineries on the East Coast in Canada and in the Caribbean means the eastern U.S. is more reliant on supply from Europe, which is facing a far worse energy crisis of its own. Add a supply crunch, and a supply crunch could come sooner than winter as the peak of Atlantic hurricane season nears, threatening disruptions to fuel supply. Though few storms have emerged so far, the most active part of the season typically doesn't begin until right around now. Fuel supplies on the East Coast are likely to remain precarious as Gulf Coast refineries begin scheduled maintenance in the fall. Even when supply is abundant, a dearth of pipelines and tankers means Gulf Coast refiners have limited options for sending gasoline and diesel to eastern markets. While the average price of gasoline has dropped from a record of more than $5 a gallon in June, prices are still roughly $1.50 higher than when Biden took office. 
Diesel prices are back above $5 after falling steadily from a peak in June. Still, U.S. exports of crude and oil products rose to a record last week, with diesel leading the surge. Countries around the globe are hungrier than ever for U.S. diesel, and they seek alternatives to close to costly natural gas to run power plants. We are getting to a point where we need to take care of our own and not be shipping any of our resources to other countries. Sorry. You seriously have to ask yourself, though, why Why are we still importing some things from Russia to the tune of $6 billion, but not the stuff we need to survive a winter? These food supply shortages and gas shortages, water shortages, power shortages, all being created by the government or government policies, period. And it's happening everywhere. It's a coordinated effort by all these governments. This is from the Philadelphia Inquirer five days ago. President Joe Biden promised to inflict pain and deal a crushing blow on Vladimir Putin through trade restrictions on commodities like vodka, diamonds, and gasoline in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine six months ago. But hundreds of other types of unsanctioned goods worth billions of dollars, including those found on a ship bound for Baltimore from St. Petersburg, Russia, continue to flow into U.S. ports. The AP found more than 3,600 shipments of woods, metals, rubber, and other goods have arrived at U.S. ports from Russia since it began launching missiles and airstrikes into its neighbor in February. That is a significant drop from the same period in 2021 when about 6,000 shipments arrived, but it still adds up. In reality, does anyone live in reality anymore? No one involved actually expected trade to drag to a halt after the invasion. Banning imports of certain items would likely do more harm to those sectors in the U.S. than in Russia. Well, like oil and gas, and uh, I'm assuming Europe is approaching this in the same manner that the U.S. is, and yet they've cut their oil supply, gas supply off from its people, raising energy costs by 80%. How do people afford their heat in the winter with an 80% increase? They can't. But we'll still get some stuff, rubber and wood and steel and whatever, junk, not stuff you need to survive. When we impose sanctions, it could disrupt global trade, so our job is to think about which sanctions deliver the most impact while also allowing global trade to work. Ambassador Jim O'Brien, who heads the State Department's Office of Sanctions Coordination, told the AP. Experts say the global economy is so intertwined that sanctions must be limited in scope to avoid driving up prices in an already unstable market. You don't say. Our governments have created all of these problems, not only by relying on all these other countries for what we need to, to survive day to day, but by coordinating all of this, all of these shortages with all these other governments. They are tightening the noose on us. That's what they're doing. All these sanctions are doing and everything else they're doing, their policies, their injection of massive amounts of cash, it's hurting people, it's hurting Americans, it's hurting the poor, it's hurting the people they claim to care about the most.
The Biden administration and the EU released separate lists of Russian companies that cannot receive exports, but at least one of those companies, which supplies the Russian military with metal to make fighter jets currently dropping bombs in Ukraine, is still selling millions of dollars of metal to American and European firms. If you can't see the ridiculousness of all of this, then I don't know what to tell you. You've got to open your eyes and see this for what it is. Well, we all see what's going on with the stock market. A fourth day of dropping. Not as bad as last Friday, where we lost 1,000 points. But it's been a steady stream of downward movement for stocks. Couple that with all the other issues you see going on around the world. And the Pope announced on Tuesday of this week that all Vatican departments and institutions are required to move their investments and cash to the Institute for Works of Religion, commonly called the Vatican Bank, by the end of September. By the end of September. In 2019, the total value of the Catholics' cash and investments was estimated to be at 4 billion euros. That's a lot of money to suddenly leave the world financial sector or markets. And, of course, the Catholic Church is saying that he's just doing this for centralization purchase or reasons uh, to centralize accounts and assets, and that they just want to be in more control of their investments because they've been involved in some uh, suspicious problems with property deals and other financial things that have happened over the last 10 or 12 years, or probably longer than that, but I just think it's interesting with everything we see going on around the world right now that suddenly the Catholic Church is pulling all their money back to the Vatican Bank, sort of like a uh, bank run. Interesting, something to keep an eye on. And President Joe Biden was out sowing the seeds of dissent again. On Tuesday, he warned right-wing Americans who support the Second Amendment, saying they would need an F-15 to take on the government. Biden then appeared to accuse the same Americans of shooting at police. Hmm. Well, I can say, personally, I watch... I was in law enforcement for nine years and involved with the courts for 16. And uh, I watch a lot of the police shooting videos, the body cam videos. And what I can tell you is most, if not all, of those people I see shooting at cops are definitely not Republicans. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say the Second Amendment is all about keeping America independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something more than a gun, Biden said, mocking Second Amendment advocates while speaking to a crowd in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use that's used to provide this. And who are they shooting at? They're shooting at these guys behind me, he added, apparently referencing a line of police officers standing behind him. Biden also said he is determined to ban assault weapons in the United States. I did it once before and I'll do it again. 
For many of you at home, I want to be clear, it's not about taking away anybody's guns, Biden said. In fact, we should be treating responsible gun owners as examples, how every gun owner should behave. I have two shotguns at home. It's a long story, but I'm not opposed to guns, but I support the Second Amendment. I support the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment, as one of the most conservative justices in history, Justice Scalia, once wrote, like most rights, the rights granted by the Second Amendment are not unlimited. Biden continued, they're not unlimited. Right now, you can't go out and buy an automatic weapon. In some places, you can. You can't go out and buy a cannon. On Twitter, Biden reiterated his plans to ban assault weapons again, referring to the 1994 assault weapons ban, which he spearheaded during his career as a senator. When the ban expired in 2004, the Department of Justice National Institute of Justice issued a report stating that the ban did not actually reduce crime because criminals don't follow laws and criminals can still get their hands on guns. Trust me, I've spent many years dealing with criminals. We cannot clearly credit the ban with any of the nation's recent drop in gun violence, and indeed there has been no discernible reduction in the lethality and injuriousness of gun violence, the report said, according to a copy of the report viewed by the Washington Times at the time. The report also noted that assault weapons were rarely used in gun crimes before the ban. Should it be renewed, the ban's effects on gun violence are likely to be small at best and perhaps too small for reliable measurement, the report continued later, stating, The ban's effects on gun violence are likely to be small at best and perhaps too small for reliable measurement. Factcheck.org also maintains that the ban's impact is unclear. Biden's attack against right-wing Americans comes just days after the president called supporters of former President Donald Trump a threat to democracy and accused them of engaging in semi-fascism. Biden also said he doesn't respect Trump supporters. More than 70 million Americans voted for Trump in 2020. What's happened is there are not many real Republicans anymore. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans, Biden said. What we're seeing now is either the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy. It's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the I'm going to say something. It's like semi-fascism. This guy is delusional. It's, it's uh, baffling to me that he is the president of the United States. And going back to the whole he's got an F-15 thing, first of all, good luck getting F-15 pilots to attack Americans, bud. And second of all, just go back to that huge failure of yours, Afghanistan, and ask yourself if those F-15s helped much in the fight in Afghanistan. Go back a little further to Vietnam and ask yourself if our air superiority helped there. There's more than one way to win a fight. But sitting behind a desk your whole life, I guess you probably wouldn't know about things like that. And talking about the world stage... China is still doing lockdowns in its country. The southern city of Shenzhen on Monday shut down the world's largest electronics market and suspended public transport nearby as authorities enforced neighborhood-wide lockdowns in response to a small number of COVID cases. 
And I'm going to butcher this, but uh, a town, a village, a city called Huang Kui Bell, a busy shopping area home to thousands of stalls selling computer components, mobile phone parts, and microchips, is among three neighborhoods placed under a mandatory four-day lockdown in the Futlan district, according to the district government. Residents in those neighborhoods are forbidden to leave their homes except for COVID testing, which they are required to undergo daily until Thursday. China is one of the last places in the world still enforcing stringent zero-COVID measures, which rely on sweeping digital surveillance, mass testing, extensive quarantines, and snap lockdowns. On Tuesday, Shenzhen, an international technology hub of 18 million people, reported 35 infections, including 11 asymptomatic cases. The heavy-handed approach has seen dozens of neighborhoods across Shenzhen identified as high-risk areas and placed under strict lockdown orders. Videos shared by residents on social media show metal barriers, some topped with barbed wire, erected outside residential buildings, blocking residents from leaving. The unending restrictions have upended daily life and dealt a heavy blow to the slowing economy. In July, youth unemployment in China hit a record high, with one in five young people out of work. Earlier this month, COVID outbreaks in the resort island of Henan and the western regions of Xinjiang and Tibet trapped tens of thousands of tourists. In the southwestern metropolis of Chongqing, authorities ordered mass COVID testing during a record heat wave, leaving millions of residents standing under the sun for hours as they struggled with extreme temperatures and power shortages. And this has happened in several other cities across China. Uh, the provincial capital of one region, 20 million people, and they identified 205 infections, lockdown. And another city, home to 11 million people, 30 infections, lockdown. This is communism. This is living in fear every day of your life. And government having total control over every aspect of your life. We are dangerously close to this type of behavior in the U.S. And this is some breaking news from the U.S. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, announced Wednesday that it has authorized updated coronavirus booster shots targeting the highly contagious Omicron variant. Highly contagious, but not lethal. Today, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration amended the emergency use authorizations of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine to authorize bivalent formulations of the vaccines for use as a single booster dose at least two months following primary or booster vaccination, it said in a statement. Even as more and more research is coming out saying that booster shots can cause heart problems and inflammation and other medical problems, and yet here they are trying to get us to take this shot. I personally know somebody who had a heart attack and died, but was revived twice after getting his uh, first booster shot. No history of heart problems whatsoever. The guy's in great health, great shape. And uh, two weeks after he got that booster, he had a heart attack at home and died and uh, was revived by paramedics and then revived again at the hospital. Uh, and he's convinced, and he wasn't against vaccines or anything like that, but he's convinced that booster caused it. 
and now he's on pills the rest of his life for his heart. The FDA says the updated Moderna single-dosage boosters are authorized for individuals 18 years or older, while the Pfizer is for individuals 12 years or older. Both kinds of booster shots will provide better protection against COVID-19 caused by the Omicron variant, they added. All this data also coming out that most of these breakthrough cases are vaccinated individuals. The vaccine has not stopped the, vac- the COVID from spreading or from people getting it. it. hasn't done any of the things they said it would do. And yet, and just in case you weren't scared enough of everything else going on and all the climate terror that's going on, Story from the AP, Greenland's rapidly melting ice sheet will eventually raise global sea level by at least 10.6 inches, more than twice as much as previously forecast. That's because of something that could be called zombie ice. That's doomed ice that, while still attached to thicker areas of ice, is no longer getting replenished by parent glaciers now receiving less snow. Without replenishment, the doomed ice is melting from climate change and will inevitably raise seas. Does this sound familiar to you at all? It's dead ice. It's just going to melt and disappear from the ice sheet, they say. The ice has been consigned to the ocean regardless of what climate emissions scenario we take now. So there is nothing that can be done about it. The unavoidable 10 inches in the study is more than twice as much sea level rise as scientists had previously expected from the melting of Greenland's ice sheet. The study in the journal Nature Climate Change said it would could reach as much as 30 inches. By contrast, last year's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report projected a range of 2 to 5 inches for likely sea level rise from Greenland ice melt by the year 2100, 70 plus years from now. But we should definitely panic now. It sounds to me like they really have no idea how much this could raise sea level based on what I just read and There's, like I said, in their own report, nothing we can do about it now. Historically, over the course of the life of the planet Earth, before people were here, ice melted and came back and melted and came back, and this was just a process, a cycle. So, who's to say that's not what's happening right now, too? But, of course, we're going to see articles like this so they can scare everybody and get you to go along with all their little Green New Deal crap so our lives can be miserable and they can be in charge of everything and have total control. Everything that's happening right now is about control. has been net news network headline news for more visit netnewsnetwork.net please like share and subscribe thanks for listening